Welcome to Planetary Health First, Mars Next. We got my good buddy, Doug Sullivan, here tonight. And I think all of us that got uh, familiar and comfortable online are was in those communities and clubhouse. And that's how Doug and I met. We have yet to meet each other in person. I, I feel pretty comfortable that he is a real person and he doesn't have a, I, I would say, a, um, I don't know, a avatar or something or a digital hologram. But anyway, tonight is going to be exciting. Doug has been a case manager RN for over 20 years. He's worked at some of the best health plans, one of which is Scan Health Plan, which has been for the last six years in a row, 4.5 star ratings. And so how do they get that is because they hit all those marks on HEDIS measures, quality indicators, and, and that's way more than I can share because Doug knows all this. But the purpose of tonight is to be talking about the digital care manager. And uh, I also want to just let you know a little bit about Planetary Health First, Mars Next, and what we're trying to do. We're just trying to accelerate just conversations in healthcare across the board. Uh, we do not want to be really highly focused. There's too many things in healthcare that we need to have perspective. And uh, that's why I'm excited that we're having Doug here tonight. He's got a great background. And Doug, will you just introduce yourself briefly to the audience? Yeah, thanks, Michael. And yeah, Michael hit it on the nose. We we met over the COVID times, I guess we can call it. And everybody was jumping on Clubhouse. And that was the way we attended conferences because we couldn't go in person and we were we were meeting and, and greeting each other there and, and staying with all these typical um, healthcare conferences that we would probably be attending in person, but we were doing them daily and kind of meeting people by the water cooler, if you will, um, virtually on Clubhouse and talking about different topics. And so this um, got us to, you know, learn a lot of things. I've been in healthcare for over 20 years, uh, been a registered nurse and a certified case manager. Um, but I started off in quality and I started off with Molina Health Plan, actually before Molina with one of the first um, IPAs in the country um, called now it's called Apollo Medical Holdings, but at the time it was called Allied Physicians of California, and um, learned about managed care when it was a it was a bad word. I remember people would say, "Oh, HMO, I don't want HMO," and and doctors rejected the whole thought of an HMO is just creating barriers. And now we have fifty percent of the country on some type of managed care program, whether it's an HMO or PPO. So we've taken that transition that we learned that things were available with telehealth and now we're transitioning that into other remote programs. But a lot of these programs were done behind the scenes um, with companies that I worked for prior to COVID. And we'll, we'll go into that a little bit. But um, this is great that you have this this outlet, Michael, and, and you're taking it to Mars next. Um, <laughs> I think we do need to, you know, think about things that we can do better here on Earth when it comes to healthcare, and I, I know that's your underlying drive here, and you're very passionate about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks, Doug. Um, tell me, like, what are you working on right now, Doug? I know you do a lot of consulting. Just tell us a little bit some projects you're working on in this space. Okay, well, 
we have a lot of balls in the air, put it that way. So what we do, we've been, um, the doctor I work with, we started a practice um, right before COVID hit. And we started our practice to, um, we were introduced to all these um, technologies that were done with remote patient monitoring, whether it was a blood pressure device that was cellular or Bluetooth, pulse ox, um, weight scale and everything like that. And we thought, why not um, team up with a group of, uh, they were a group of assisted living type facilities where they were um, boarding cares. I don't know, but this was just not, this wasn't just one location. This was several locations. So having everything in the cloud was a necessity. It wasn't inside one facility. And so we linked up them with the technology companies that had been reaching out to us and said, let's test this out in a controlled environment. Let's have every one of those patients be tested with these devices twice a day. So they would get their blood pressure, their pulse ox, their, um, their um, weight. Weight was usually done once a week, unless it was like a CHF patient. And let's get all these devices into the cloud and onto this dashboard where we can look at that. And then we can consult with the, the, the administrators at those facilities along with the providers that um, some of them were mobile providers or some of them just saw those patients with telehealth. So since we had started on this prior to the, the pandemic, that really gave us a, 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 the advantage. So when the pandem pandemic, pandemic took off, we, had the, um, we already had the systems in place. And so then telehealth started kicking and everybody wanted to do telehealth. We said, it's easy. You don't have to take um, this patient from that facility to your office. We can just do a telehealth through our iPad. And it, well, it wasn't an iPad, it was a tablet. And we were doing telehealth visits for all those patients with all their different doctors. We had it all, all set up and ready to go. And it worked out really well. As a matter of fact, when we were audited or when those facilities were audited by the state, the state says, they were auditing every positive case of COVID, if you guys remember how they did that. And hey, Doug, I just yeah. want to take a second. We have an audience member. Okay. Believe it or not, uh, she's not going to be able to stay the whole time, but this is Mary, and she's like right up your world. She's um, actually, it looks like she's in Washington, uh, Washington State, or you know. And she uh, has 10 advisors that's relocated sen seniors from hospitals to SNF. So I thought that was interesting. And, and um, I imagined uh, she might be using some of these technologies, tools to help them, you know, manage their care. You know, if, if they were at the hospital um, and now they're able to, to possibly, I don't know if they're doing some of that hospital at home some of those things, uh, maybe well, it's you not could... really, I think, I mean, we don't know. It's, it's a, it's a hit or miss whether they're doing hospital at home, but let's face the facts. Once a person gets into the hospital, they're pretty, they're pretty critically ill. Hospitals don't let you get admitted for minor things anymore because of our, our barriers with the insurance benefits and, and them wanting to only admit the serious cases. And so by the time that person hits that hospital bedroom, they have probably multiple chronic conditions. Those multiple chronic conditions may or may not have been part of a regular treatment program, and they may not, may or not have been part of a case management program. 
And so what, what a lot of companies are recognizing is this technology can be used for that transition. You can introduce it into the hospital. You could show them how it works on their smartphone or how that blood pressure cuff doesn't even need a smartphone. It can go link directly to the cloud. And then you could show them this is where we'll be monitoring you on the cloud and, and calling you. And we want you to, here's our brochure. We, when you take this home, if you have any questions, call this 1-800 number and a nurse will call you back. So a lot of these programs are robustly introduced through that. Um, Nava Health has one of the best reputations for doing this right. And, and, and you heard about their $6 billion buyout that they had um, right there during the COVID, um, COVID pandemic time that they um, had that deal strike. So these things, these programs work really well. I do think that a lot of times these programs need to make sure they introduce that RN case manager and keep, keep them in the mix, that that's discharging the patient from the home and then keep that health plan in the mix with those case managers at the health plan. If they're a fee for service, then obviously they keep that um, network of doctors that that patient's been um, visiting in that network. Doug, I know before we uh, went live, we started talking about doing this a few weeks ago, and, and you were talking to me about how exciting you were seeing the, the, the potential, the opportunity uh, with going, uh, you know, B2C, and really you were talking about the latest acquisition that even Weight Watchers, and, uh, and why you were saying that why that was so important as a case manager, I remember you saying is just about in every patient, whether it's diabetes or weight management, it's in their goals. So could you maybe get at how this technology with the acquisition of, uh, I'm not even sure what that company is. Tell us a little bit about this and how yeah. this connects with, uh, you know, remote patient monitoring and, and really that, that digital yeah. healthcare manager, if you would. I would love to. And the thing is with this B2C, um, we got to understand in the background, healthcare in America is still a business, okay? We are not a social medicine country. We, our health plan is paid for through our employers or through the government, but it's still paid to a private company in a lot of cases. And sometimes they're publicly owned, um, public um, health companies or they might be nonprofit companies, but in the in the essence of it, they are not. Um, they're still businesses, and a lot of these B two C things like Weight Watchers and Fitbit and things like that, and Amazon realize that with COVID, we've seen this introduction where people are going to seek out the care themselves because they don't get the proper care, even though they have an insurance from the government, maybe it's a Medicare plan or a Medicaid plan or a Medicare Advantage plan or something like that, some type of managed care plan, it's not meeting their needs. And they are seeking to meet those needs through um, Amazon or through this new program with Weight Watchers. They've been using Fitbit and Whoop bands and Aura rings and things like that at addressing one of their primary concerns, which is weight loss and health maintenance. And so we know that that those that thing, your weight management alone ties into a lot of your medical conditions. If you control your weight, you're gonna avoid having a lot of these chronic conditions as you age. And so I think people are starting to become aware of that. 
And Weight Watchers is spot on with purchasing that, that telehealth company that will be able to call those patients and prescribe them some weight loss medications and better manage them with medical weight loss control and people will pay for it. Mm -hmm. Same with Fitbit. Fitbit has the most users of any consumer app when it comes to health and fitness. You know, Doug, I hear this and another thing I'm hearing out there talking to experts uh, is how competitive it is, the margins and Medicare Advantage, and then the enrollments, trying to get those members engaged. So I see this as, as a way to differentiate yourself as a plan, uh, you know, and doing that, uh, there's going to be more of that. So I imagine we're going to see in the next few years plans. I mean, we already see it. We see plans that are offering transportation. Some of them are offering, you know, basic housekeeping or house cleaning. And so I would imagine these are just more of the tools and, and opportunities. Food. Sorry, go ahead. They're offering food yeah. too. Yeah. So uh, with this being said, what what is in your experience are is like the number one barrier or the challenge of making this happen? Is it regulatory? Is it what what is it? Tell me the challenge of really getting digital health transformation and, and making this digital uh, care manager happen. I think the number one barrier is awareness and and also just hesitancy, hesitancy to change into the unknown. And other industries are willing to take the risk and they've embraced technology and they're seeing how technology can make that business more fulfilling, more efficient, faster operating and streamlined. Where medical, they're hesitant. They're hesitant because of fear, a fear of the unknown. And we know the technology will help fill some of these gaps, yet there's, there's a hesitancy of acceptance on the doctor that really didn't get into healthcare as a business. He got into healthcare as a passion, maybe, and wants to just help people. Same with the nurses. But in the back end, it's really a business. And um, it's a customer service business. So if they don't realize that, we've, we've kind of neglected the whole customer service aspect of healthcare for many years because of supply and demand. We, we, have, an over, we have an overly demanding, you know, uh, for a limited supply of providers that can render these, this care. So, so Doug, if you had to, what do you think is just, you know, just in one sentence, what, what is the problem? Why are we not getting this? Why is this not happening right now? Well, I think it's like I said, it's the the it's moving a mountain of an industry that's been traditional and slow moving for mm -hmm. a long time. And, and I don't think that and that industry is basically owned by um, private health plans. Um, the, the, the billion the health plans have more money than our government when it comes to rendering care. Mm -hmm. um, so that that is, you know, if you look at the top three or the top five health plans, the billions of dollars that those health plans um, have is, you know, way more than what our our budget is overall for our our health plan budgets for, you know, as we write out our budget every year. So you have to look at that fact that 
they're they're the true decision makers here. Mm-hmm. Even I like that. I like that. So you're basically saying health plans have the power. And uh, when I was talking to someone the other day, I, we were recruiting for a role and talking from someone. Let's just say I don't need to mention a name, but he referred to him as I'm part of the the big twenty. <laughs> I, yeah. I've heard of the Fortune. 500 but he referred to himself as a member of the the fortune 20 that was a new one for me and i don't have to mention the conglomerates that make that up but that's just tremendous i mean they're printing so billions of dollars quarterly uh and so i guess um we are seeing it though because that you know keeping members well healthy and out of the hospital it's just at that that cost point, you know. So I guess there is some innovation, and but it's still slow, right? I mean, they they you know it's still uh, you know uh, still slow to happen. It's still slow. I mean, we're seeing some of that technology um, helping um, some practices, and they're taking advantage and they're doing the CRM type messaging for their patients and trying to get them into the office. They're teaming up with some of these health plans and these shared risk agreements. And so they can they can borrow their technology. Maybe they all centralize on an agreed upon, um, you know, EHR system so they can have a better health information exchange system for those that patients care continuum. But, you know, that is we're still we still at the at the end of the day, it's still you have to be able to run it like a business and put people in chairs and be, have those people accessible to those patients. And we just don't have that accessibility. We know technology will improve this accessibility. Right now we're talking through you know three forms of social media right now and using um, technology. And our people are using this technology every single day with their smartphones and with their workplaces, a lot more people are working remotely from home. And so why wouldn't we want to help meet, meet that patient where they're at and meet their needs where they're at with, with introducing some of these remotely monitored programs that can keep them on target, keep them healthy? So Doug, I would love for you to just walk us through when a client comes to see you and sort of what you are hearing from them, their challenges, and how you're helping them. So I get clients from all all different spectrums. It might be a tech company that is, you know, wanting to have my clinical advice and my experience advice on managed care on how they can introduce that that SaaS platform or that device and get it branded and marketed and and to um, be utilized by whether it's a health plan or a doctor's practice, or it might be a doctor's practice that is just confused by the mess because they get, you know, they've seen every sales pitch from every type of RPM and telehealth company that wants them to use their product. And it's just confusing to them at that point. And they're saying, why are, why am I, you know, paying all this money um, and I don't really have any control or why, why should I vendor everything out at, at the end of the day, I'm still at risk for my patient's care and, and will it really help their care? And so I get it from both ends. Um, I have some clients that are CMOs um, that are 
you know, kind of had me on as, as like almost like a mentor in the background because they taken on a, a role as a CMO for one of these tech companies, but they're a new graduate or they've been, they've been, you know, just went through medical school and, and they didn't go through, they didn't experience, you know, the thousands of hours that I've experienced in different practices. So when you, when you say, when you say CMO, you mean chief medical officer and and essentially this company, this startup telehealth, whatever you call it needs that chief medical officer for credibility, then for maybe doctor's orders, et cetera. And they just did not get that rigor in medical school of, you know, case management. None of us got that. Okay. Okay. None of us that went to the doctors obviously went to medical school or even the nurses that went to nursing school. We didn't get that business. We either came into um, working from our school to our work and we, we maybe we started off in a big institution where HR and, and, and everybody fi- figured everything out. You, you just show up and, you, and then next thing you know, you're indoctrinated and, and everything else in the background is done for you. They don't realize, or if they were lucky, maybe they did their own entrepreneurship. And I've worked with doctors that, that kind of inherited their practice from their father's practice. When I, practice. Doug, when I hear that, it's what I've heard with doctors having so little training in medical school on nutrition, basic nutrition. And so what I um, would love to hear you share with our audience uh, is when you worked at health plans, they have all these metrics, the heat is the quality metrics. Can you walk us through just what the value is just kind of in a, in a real 30,000 foot view, kind of the things that are going on. And then if you could connect that to digital health, because I feel like that could be a big opportunity uh, because with those metrics, you need data. So tell me how that could, okay. Absolutely. And that's a good point. So when you're um, working with the health plan or what you're working with the MSO, which is contracting the health plan for your provider networks, they have HEDIS and those, those HEDIS matrix or those star matrix scorecards are based on the codes you're get you get from those encounters with that population that you are being prepaid for. They pay you a, a, a set amount every month based on if it's a senior, it's based on their RAF score or their HCC coding, diagnosis coding, or it's based on um, the just the contract agreement, whether it's it's usually a shared risk or a full risk type of agreement, and they are paying you a monthly rate. Now, what they're saying is, they're only going to pay you a portion of it, but you have to show us the data that you're capturing for all our diabetic patients. You need to show us that you're testing their, their, their diabetes and that their diabetes is being controlled, not just that they're testing it, but it's being controlled. So if you have out all these out of range diabetes, um, HbA1c, um, data, you have to show that you're, you've done something to reduce that HbA1c. Same with blood pressure, or then even just a preventive screening. Are you doing mammograms on all your females over 40 and all you're doing colonoscopies and making sure that all your your patients have colonoscopies over 50? Those type of things are being 
those are analyzed and that started off by Ford Motor Company just trying to compare the different commercial plans so that that's actually how heat has kind of started as they were looking for the best plan so they've kept that same theor theoretical you know thought so, so you're telling me wait am I hearing you correctly are you telling me in Detroit the Ford Motors like they needed to manage their workforce so the heatest came from that or am I are you just yeah, talking that's Absolutely. There is a there is an indirect connection to that's how everything kind of started was they were trying to evaluate the quality of the commercial plans that they were getting for their employees. Wow, that's fascinating. And and I'm going to go on another tangent, a rabbit hole, because we're on planet first and we can go to Mars. We can go wherever we want because this is what this is about. But I remember hearing that uh, Henry Ford, one of the he was a proponent of kind of the, the work week to a certain amount selfishly <laughs> because if his workers were working so hard they couldn't have enough uh time to drive that wonderful little you know ford <laughs> around on the weekend so that was part of marketing and then also keeping those cars cheap enough or price point enough that their average worker could afford it so i think it's fascinating that's innovation uh yeah and, yeah well, they were truly ahead of their time when they thought of rating the quality by seeing how well that workforce is being managed. And, and if they're being managed properly, that means they're having the doctor's visits and then that doctor's visits is actually doing something. Mm -hmm. And it's it's keeping them on their medications if they need therapeutic medications. It's keeping their 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 blood levels controlled if they're diabetic. It's also making sure that they are doing all those preventive screenings that we know if you catch something early on with some preventive screening measure, you, Doug, you can adhere to worse could, conditions. Could later. you sh share with us? Do you know about the time frame that Ford began doing this uh, measure, this requesting the measure? I can't remember. Okay. I just I know I, I loosely learned this as I was forced into these roles to. <laughs> to analyze these, these matrices for yeah. my uh, medical groups and come up with a strategy how we're going to improve quality. Are there, it, it seems like AI could be really huge on trying to help, but then how do we, we've seen chat GTP that's gone berserk wanting to name itself and tell who it is and then hack into all the other ones and dominate the world. I guess that was, uh, you know, but it, so I, I, I know there's a lot of hesitancy in making sure that there's systems in place, but tell me a little bit about some technologies as a care manager, as a case manager. How do you evaluate side by side when you're helping these people? What technology uh, is the best, best suited? Tell me how that process works for our audience. Well, one of the first technologies that we used that, 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 um, has been around for a long time was, was IVR. So we would send out recorded messages to our patients and reminding them to come in for their preventive screening. Now, the doctor's offices couldn't do this. They, they didn't have the technology, nor did they have the budget to do this. So we did this as a health plan and we put together our, all our list of all our members because when you, you're signed up with a health plan, you're considered their member, you're not considered a patient. And so we would use these IVRs and then that IVR, we had a set list of um, messages that we sent out. So obviously we would send out maybe a mammogram message to all the females that we knew were due for mammograms. 
and gave them some recorded information. And then we took that information back. It would go onto a database so we could follow through and send them an author authorization um, to, or usually we would just pre-send them an authorization to get that mammogram done. But the IVR was kind of reinforcing, did you receive that in the mail? If not, please call this number so we can make sure we get that scheduled. So we were using that technology 10 years ago before this ch chat. So, so I would, I would say to you, that's kind of what they would call like nudging, like with some of these apps. And yeah. then the problem yeah. is, right, you probably started finding out that there was a lot of nudge, nudging fatigue and, and just where you just. Right. Turned. There was a lot of nudging. So then we trans took that IVR because people were no longer answering our phone. And then we put that IVR into text messaging. So mm -hmm. then we started text messaging our patients and tried to capture all of their, their cell phone numbers. And we would text message them different reminders and making sure that we kept them on track for, you know, at the beginning of the year, everybody needs to schedule that annual wellness visit. And we worked with companies that were advancing this. And, the, and actually in the very beginning, a lot of health plans were hesitant to use this new technology. They said, is it violating privacy? They have to give us permission because it could be a charge for a text message and so on and so forth. And so after we deal with all that drama and you find out ways to ask them to click no if they want to opt out of this and all that other stuff, then we started using text messaging and that worked very well for some of our campaigns. And that was before Salesforce did that whole CRM thing and, and started doing bringing it full circle. Then later on, we started getting the emails and started building the websites and, and, and helping these building. Of course, our, as a health plan, we have the money to build the health plan websites or as an MSO. But that practice is still playing catch up when mm -hmm. it comes to the website and to the CRMs and to these different types of methodology that Do we can now introduce to them through our technology with our vendors. Doug, help me understand. I, I know... Um like the the importance that I've heard of motivational interviewing, really understanding that empathy uh, in order to really make sustainable behavior change. I, in the end, if someone's not motivated, so when you're doing your goals as a case manager, it's really uh, what is it that that individual, you know, when they're getting out of rehab, maybe they tripped, fell, whatever, and if they're motivated to go to their grandchild's graduation, that's their goal or whatever, or walk their child right, or their daughter down the aisle. So, yeah. so tell me a little bit about as a case manager, how you can merge technology that doesn't become too dry and then the human element to really make things happen where people actually achieve some goals and sustain this healthcare, uh, positive healthcare behavior. Well, motivational interviewing and motivational management is really at the core of a case manager's role when they work with a health plan is to learn these motivational efforts. And when we first meet with that patient over the phone, we normally do a goal-orientated care plan, okay? There may be some other meetings and introductory calls before we get to the care plan, but we will write a care plan out with attainable goals, with, with step-based goals. And one of the biggest motivational factors is having an accountability partner. People are not motivated 
to do things if the accountability partner isn't something isn't a good match for them. I'm able to use my watch as a, a good motivator and accountability partner. I will look at the messages that I set up and it'll send me messages to remind me to, to, to take my vitamins or remind me that I'm not taking enough steps and things like that. But some people need more of a nudge that they need that personal touch. You, you're, you're on mute. Yeah, I have a dog in the background that just yeah. barks at, at at ghost, I think, or my wife comes <laughs> home. I don't know. So I was on mute. At Martians. Yeah, at Martians. Martians. Yeah, since we're at Mars. But um, where we were at and now, I guess my wife's coming home. But anyway, welcome to Planetary Health Mars next. Um, so what I what what I was thinking of is that you're huge in mountain biking and I know that that is something for you as a motivating factor and you're in a group, you're accountable. And it seems like uh, that level of accountability is probably why Silver Sneakers and all these programs are so effective. Can you get into a little bit of that for a few minutes while my dogs can just while I can be mute? <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned Silver Sneakers. So we were I was working with Scan Health Plan. And at the same time, we knew about some of the other health plans and um, Caremore, which later on got purchased by one of the blues. But Caremore was the one who started the Silver Sneakers program. And Caremore realized that, hey, why not just give these um, patients or members a free membership to a gym and not only have a free membership, but have some coaches and have the case managers align, become almost like nurse coaches to them and focus more on the fitness aspects and the 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 activity and, and monitoring your steps so they actually mailed out the early pedometers that, that, that we don't even have it now and they were these little you know just a little pedometer that you clip to your waistband or if you wanted to clip to your tennis shoe you could do that but it didn't matter it could be anywhere and they would actually talk with the patients about how many steps they're doing today or if they went to the gym. And that worked out really, really well. And, and there's some really great studies that they did on just that simple fact alone of getting these people to be active. Yeah, I, I really like that. I feel like that is the hallmark. That is the uh, gold standard of a, of, a, of a way to see the power of, 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 uh, you know, even in AA having that sponsor, it seems like that accountability partner. And, um, I would love for you to kind of share a little more, like how we could take a digital health, uh, care manager, AI, it, humanize it and make it accountable. Like what would be the Doug Sullivan program? If you could be at, uh, health plan XYZ and start the new program, tell me what that would look like to you. <laughs> Well, thank you. I, I'm not at a, a health plan right now in that type of role. I'm in kind of behind the scenes in advisory role for a, a CMO right now, actually two different CMOs with, with different businesses. One's at a health plan, one's at a big, um, a big company that does, um, does CGMs and, and does it for diabetic patients. So the thing is with, if I created this perfect plan, I think part of it is in the marketing and we, we don't have people think of their, their health plan as a 
benefit or as a value. It's not like a brand new Mercedes sitting in their driveway that they just bought that. It's not that it doesn't appeal to them that way, but why can't we brand it that way? Why can't we brand it? Aren't you glad you have it? And one of the companies here in California that's done a great job about that is Kaiser. And, and they have the highest loyalty of any health plan in the United States for longevity of people staying with that health plan. The thing is, if we branded it that way and people saw the value because in the very beginning year, they know they're going to get a phone call and that in that phone call, people are going to talk about, hey, let's tell you about your exciting benefits you get with this plan. We're going to, you know, we're going to get you a new pair of glasses. And when you get your glasses, make sure they do a diabetic retinal eye exam because we want to talk to you. Make sure that that you're your retinas, you know, not, you know, closing and you're not having problems with diabetes. And, and we, we offer that as a benefit. We're going to, we also have, we've extended our offer for more physical therapy for you. Cause we realize as you age, you're going to have more muscle skeletal problems. So we've expanded our network of physical therapists in your area. Matter of fact, we have physical therapists that can go to your home, talking to them about all these types of benefits. And then the technology, you're, are you using a computer at home or using email or using a, a smartwatch? Well, we have plans. Part of our benefits will tie into this and send you reminders and send you emails. And you can participate in webinars with us about health and nutrition, about, you know, good recipes to cook at home. Matter of fact, I worked with a, a person that was uh, the owner's daughter of a health plan that that's her thing was focused was sending out nutrition recipes to the members because she, you know, kind of inherited this plan from her parents, but she wanted to really focus on the recipes and helping patients. So she wrote a newsletter and sent it to every one of her patients. But, but that type of intuitive that goes into the same type of branding we do with other businesses needs to go into health plans. I love that. I love, I'm hearing social determinants of health. I'm hearing risk assessment. I'm hearing assessment, but not only am I hearing assessment, I'm hearing a dynamic, real, personalized, two-way, conversational, meeting that member, not only where they are, where they're going and back and forth, how to get them fully, uh, you know, holistic health. It makes me excited. I, I mean, but when I think of health, my health plan, I'm thinking, oh, gosh, I don't want to get that x-ray because I know it's going to, you know, I'm going to have to pay for it. I mean, that's unfortunately most of how healthcare is. Um, I know Medicare Advantage have done a lot different, you know, because of that, you know, they're trying to get you to sign up for all those other plans, you know, if they can get you to sign up for that one plan over the other plan. So um, I think that competition does well, but I loved how you're leading the discussion on all the different, uh, you know, the, the diet, the food, the recipes, uh, the glasses in the beginning. Um, so what, um, what do you think uh, you would, um, I, I would actually, I would love for you to share a little bit how you could help someone in the audience you know, kind of what you do, whether it be for a provider, as a consultant, just share a little bit what you do and, and what you really like helping, you know, when you're doing your cons consult consulting. Well, first of all, I'm not a, a single shingle. Um, I have a team. Um, we have physicians and nurses and tech people, coders, full stack coders on our team that help transition this practice into the new age or help this, this tech company transition into the practice. So we catch it at both ends and we want to build these robust 
programs with our experience. We were early adopters with with RPM programs, and we got we got we had the advantage of being able to test people daily, every day, twice a day for several years, even before COVID started. And so, with that experience, we learned a lot about the struggles that it, it takes to um, enroll a new patient, or enroll a new practice, or um, get you know get all your people assembled into a workflow pattern that is really con- conducive to expanding the program and making that program work effectively for each person as an individual. And so that's where we, we, we help. We want to make sure that that company that reaches out to us or that person that reaches out to us can take advantage of our experience and then we can help them have a winning solution for whatever problem that they seem to need to address. Part of it is having that acceptance by the practice or that acceptance by the patients. But the other part may be something more 30,000 foot look level with the compliance guidelines with Stark Law and things like that. We're not lawyers, but we do hire lawyers for practices and we can recommend lawyers that they do. But we do have very, um, we use the same type of contracts and same type of um, clinical programs that I've used for the past 25 years working as a case manager for the health plans. So that that alone, the, the most doctors don't even realize all this case management programs and all these things that had been done for many, many years and, and how they were doing, how those things were could have been done because they didn't know about them. This is great. So I'm going to one more time as if they couldn't see it. <laughs> tell us how people can get in touch with you. Well, there. thank you for putting my email. The email is the best way to keep in touch with me because I do have a very busy day and, and I don't have time to look out look at emails throughout the day. But um, if you email me, we could set up a, a quick call with me and a few members of my team to assess your needs. Um, we always offer a courtesy 30-minute um, con- consultation before we plan out and, and, and um, set up a contract with you. And it's really up to you where we we want to meet you just like we want to meet the patient where they're at we want to meet our client where they're at awesome thank you thank you doug for this and uh i um we're going to be wrapping it up soon it seems like right now around 40 minutes is that sweet spot an hour just gets too stale it's like a coffee you want to have coffee on a first date you don't want to go out for dinner i think you you know um so uh Anyway, I, I'm really glad, Doug, that you said yes. And uh, I, I really appreciate you coming here today. And I love your background. I mean, I have this funny background with the earth in the background, but you got a classic grand piano. It looks great. Oh. <laughs> um, so anyway, what I would say to the audience is uh, we are excited here at Planetary Health First, Mars Next really having dynamic discussions, robust discussions on healthcare. And today we had uh, Doug share with us everything it means to be, um, you know, moving healthcare along with digital health, using all those uh, key metrics, those protocols that are required by the health plans that are literally right? CMS. It's the federal government that, that's mandating that, correct? Tell us a little bit about that um, as we wrap up, Doug. 
CMS mandating um, the improvement? I guess most of these uh, metrics that are guiding the heat is, isn't that yeah. part? Yeah, CMS is requiring this and um, it makes a huge difference because if a plan is at a three-star rating as opposed to a four-star rating or a five-star rating, it, it's a huge jump in reimbursement rate that they get from CMS for those patients that they're managing. And so it's such a significant amount that, that um, every year plans spend millions and millions of dollars to do this data dive and to gap, capture the information from the EHRs. I, I work a lot of contract jobs um, where I'm just reviewing records and searching mm -hmm. for that data. And, and so we can capture that data for those patients that are in that denominator, you know, cause it's, and, and so we, um, and many nurses like that. So I wanted to kind of parlay that into um, teaching nurses and teaching providers about this type of stuff. I talk every Friday on Clubhouse in a room that we created called Nurses to Tech. And um, that's actually where we met you and you and I, Michael, was on Clubhouse. And so there's so much opportunity for that nurse and that doctor that might be burnout from that bedside care, but they really want to keep that license active and they really want to help patients. That was their passion. That was a reasoning for choosing that career path. And now there is more opportunity in this work from home or consultation or different format where they are, they might have to go to an office if they're a CMO or if they're that branding expert for that, that product, but they still can have these alternative careers still utilizing their clinical background. And so that's a lot of what we talk about. And HEDIS is just one way where there's been a massive amount of nurses that are rekindling their, their passion towards seeing other things that can be done for patients in that retrospective review, looking at that HEDIS data. Doug, I love how you touched so many different things today um, and, and different audiences, you know, just for those doctors to know that they could connect more with you on telehealth and doing consultations and that clubhouse show. And just um, the other thing, I just, we're wrapping it up. I want to let everyone know we have this video resume component. So we know things have get, gotten really rocky out there in the career market, especially with SVV, with the, the, the collapse of a lot of, um, you, you know, the financial, uh, you know, and with a lot of these tech startups, unfortunately. So we always are looking for people to just share a few minutes of their video and we would post it on the show. We post it live. I'd post it on my LinkedIn post, which is your video resume sharing who you are, what you're about, what you can do, what you're excited, what you will do. Maybe that organization you'd like to work, you know, what you are currently doing. And um, it's just a great way to get exposure, share your story. There's like, nothing more than getting someone's personality on a video and your energy just doesn't isn't captured by a resume itself so we are going to wrap it up until next time my friends next thursday we'll be live again on planetary health first and you'll be able to see more about doug on the wrap up we'll have some information next week on our newsletter 
where you can reach him. He'll share a little more about him and what he's doing. So everyone have a wonderful day. And thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, Doug. Thank you, Michael. And thanks everyone in the audience for joining us. We look forward to your questions. Um, and since this is a live recording, you, the comments will go to us. And so we can we can respond to the comments. And, and that's another great way. If you weren't able to comment during the live video, you can always comment afterwards. Awesome. Thanks, Doug. All right. See ya.